I'm Jim Juno, and this is The Juno Files, where we talk about movies, television, and everything in between. Amy Bruni, co-star of Kindred Spirits and one of the world's leading paranormal investigators, has learned a lot about ghosts over her years of research and first-hand experience. Now in her new book, Life with the Afterlife, she shares the insight she has gained and how it has shaped her unique approach to interacting with the spirits of the dead and those who encounter them. She talked with me about her new book. Hi, I'm Jim Juno, and today I am talking with Amy Bruni, who is the star of the show Kindred Spirits that airs on the Travel Channel. She was also the star of Ghost Hunters for several for several seasons. And Amy, welcome to the Juno Files. Thanks for having me. Now you have a new book out called called <laughs> Excuse me, Life with the Afterlife: uh, Thirteen Truths You Learned from Ghosts. And I've got to now. I got to ask you. These are this is really an interesting read. Um, and you, your last, and your last. In, I want to jump to the last. I could jump to the last chapter first here because you wrote this just as the pandemic was kicking off, right? You finished. Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, I finished in. I want to say March or April. And so, actually, probably April, May-ish. We were in the thick of it when I finished the book. So it was still very open-ended, and I don't think I ever would have imagined that we'd get here to October and still not really know what's going on. (laughs) And we still don't. Yes, indeed. And um, now, how how has it been? Have you been able to do any investigations during the pandemic? Yes, actually, uh, we just wrapped a new season of Kindred Spirit. So we, I would say probably in about June or July, we decided to attempt filming. Uh, and luckily, we have a very small crew, and I think that worked to our benefit. And so we were able to kind of get back out there. We stayed uh, local, so we drove everywhere, uh, which helped a lot. We didn't have to deal with airports except for maybe a couple quick flights. 
And there was a lot of uh, COVID testing and temperature taking and, you know, <laughs> symptom monitoring. But we made it through the whole season, knock on wood, without, uh, without any issues. So it's definitely very memorable. So when is the new season coming on? Uh, early 2021. So we don't have a premiere date yet, but it will be early 2021. Fantastic. And it will be back on the Travel Channel again? That's correct, yeah. Fantastic. Season five. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and those of you, um, if you found the show, don't be don't be thinking that this is a different show. It was actually on TLC and Destination America before, and it moved over to the Travel yeah, Channel. Yeah, we had a little switcheroo. They're all under the Discovery Network. So um, we were initially signed by Destination America, and then. TLC uh, was looking to get into the paranormal space, so our first season aired on TLC, first and second. And then um, a couple episodes aired on Destination America, and then season three, four, and five are all on travel. So I think we found our home on travel. We're not moving again. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, now, in, in Life with the Afterlife. Now, this book is coming out. Um, actually, I believe it came out on today, right? October 26th is when we're doing the yeah. interview. Yeah, uh, the official uh, release date is tomorrow, October 27th, but I'm sure by the time people are listening to this, it will be uh, ready for them to, to go out and pick up. Exactly. And in this book, it's, it's somewhat of your life story, but also you are, you're telling about different investigations. And early life, you had an exposure to, to a paranormal event very early in your life, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I grew up in, well, I don't say grew up because I didn't uh, grow up there. We lived in this little bungalow in Alameda, California, and I saw a full-bodied apparition of a man standing outside our kitchen window. And I was, I think, eight years old at the time when I saw this. I walked in the room, saw this man, and then like kind of backed away and went to get my mom. Um, and there was just no way anyone could have been standing there because this was, he was outside, and that's a second-story window. There's no place to stand there. Uh, but we found out later that uh, there actually used to be a wraparound porch there, uh, and we also found out that the previous owners had lost a son in World War II, and this man I saw was wearing what appeared to be Army green clothes from the quick glimpse that I got of him. So. That what I would say would be like my first major ghostly experience. So a lot of things happened in that house over the years. And it didn't scare you, though. I mean, a lot of people would be, will be freaking out about this. You're listening to The Juno Files, recorded and produced in Richmond, Virginia. Now back to the show. No, you know, um, it was less... I, I think because you, when you're a kid, you don't process it the same way. My My mind was like... First off, it was stranger danger. I was like, who is this strange man? Because we're taught, you know, stranger. Uh, but then also processing, like, wait a minute, there's no way anyone could stand there. I'm going to go get my mom. This seems weird. <laughs> you know, that was the, the line of thinking. Now, in your book, what I'm, one of the things I loved, I loved reading in your book is that the ghosts were people, too, at one point. I mean, that's, that's chapter one, ghosts are people, too. But one of the things you say is that if a person was a jerk in real life, they're probably going to be a jerk in the afterlife too, correct? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of stories out there about evil spirits and demonic hauntings and all this, and the reality is that, well, not the reality, because I don't know for sure, but, um, you know, 
it seems as though a lot of the, that activity is more personality trait. Like someone's mean and they don't want to talk to you, so they start growling at you or they push you or they scratch you and they're trying to get you to go away. Uh, and so I always try to remind people, like, just because something is mean doesn't mean it's a demon. You know, it could just be someone that really doesn't like you, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's and you're really honest with it. You know, you say that there is, it's not always a ghost. It could be some something which could be explained away. Um, or there's no such thing as a ghost detector, which um, which... I know you can find them on eBay saying this is a ghost detector, but there's no such thing as that. Right, exactly. It's really about using a number of tools and research and uh, investigation style together. Like, uh, there's no one tool that's going to tell you that there is a ghost in front of you, you know? <laughs> um, I think a lot of people like to try to use, like, K2 meters as though they are something like that, but they're really not. And so it's just about using your deductive reasoning and more than one tool at a time and then making some educated guesses even then what i liked about your book is that you also you you told that you don't just go into these investigations cold you you guys um you know with chip and everybody involved on your team i don't want to leave them out because they play a big part in your book um y'all do research into this into the building and the possibly the people who who died there or had some kind of connection it wasn't just going in there cold right yeah we do as much as we can beforehand uh which usually is not nearly enough usually what happens is we walk in with a huge stack of research and and knowledge and then we get some piece of evidence or or some sort of clue that doesn't match anything we've researched and then we have to go back and start from square one, but um, but that's okay. <laughs> you know that's that's part of the that's part of the fun of it. It's kind of like peeling away different layers. Uh, but yeah, we like to try to get as much as we can done beforehand because we know we're going to get curveballs during every investigation, and you know we need that extra time during the investigation to uh, deal with those. Tell me about your experience on the uh, on the on the ship the. Uh uh, the QE2, I believe. Oh, the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary, about rather. The, Queen the Mary. apparition that I saw. In, yeah, the apparition in the boiler room. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so there is the ghost of a man named Henry, supposedly, who's in the boiler room of the Queen Mary. And I had no knowledge of this story. I had no idea who this person <laughs> was. I'd never heard of this ghost before. And so... I was down in the boiler room with my friend Britt Griffith, who is an investigator as well, and we were scouting the area because we were going to lead a group ghost hunt down there. And both of us saw this man walk by us, not even acknowledging us, but what was really strange about him was it was just like his torso. It was half of his head and then part of like his torso down to like his hip. And I saw, and I just saw this bald head, and I could even like see the sweat on the back of his head. And then there was like a his his like almost overalls or like canvas outfit he was wearing. And I looked at that, and I looked at Britt, and Britt looked at me, and like we had definitely both seen this thing. And I was like, "What the heck is that?" And so 
I described it later and found out that there is a spirit of a man they call Henry in the boiler room who is a large man who's bald and wears like uh, a canvas like jumpsuit that uh, a maintenance worker would have worn on the ship. And so I remember just going cold when I heard that. I was like, what? Because I, I had no knowledge of this spirit before and to have seen it before I even knew that there were stories around him was pretty amazing. Tell me a little bit now. You were not you were not a ghost hunter um, at first. You were you were working. I guess I guess you would call a quote normal unquote job, and then and, <laughs> yeah. and then you kind of just got roped into it as a hobby. Well, yeah. I mean, I had been investigating spirits since. I mean, as long as I could remember, I had been into ghosts, and I had been part of various paranormal teams. Um, you know, I helped produce a podcast for Jay and Grant from Ghost Hunter. So, like, I was in the field, per se, um, but Jay and Grant kept asking me to go out on Ghost Hunters. And I, like I said, I had a very normal job. I, I made a very decent paycheck. I had benefits. Like, it seems very irresponsible to leave that to go <laughs> chase ghosts on what I thought was a show that would never last. <laughs> like, I was like, There's, this can only go on for so long. Um, but then eventually they talked me into it, and I went just to do a couple cases with them when they were out in California, and then I never left. Like, I never, I never went home. <laughs> I just <laughs> stayed out on the road with them um, for seven years. So it, it was, uh, it, all of a sudden, I, I just was like, you know what? I really like doing this. I will, let's just throw caution to the wind and do this and see what happens. And so here I am. Was it hard getting the show on TV at first? Ghost, ghost Hunters, um, that is? I don't think so. Oh, for Ghost Hunters? I, I know. So I came in. I started filming with them like at the end of season three, beginning of season four. But I had heard a lot of stories about getting it on the air and it was really they were approached by a production company and um and so it was like this idea that they had somebody had uh, read an article about jay and grant and steve i believe in the new york times and they said we want to make a show about you and so they shot a pilot and that was it and they sold the show so it wasn't like it is now where you know you have to go pitch it and everything i'm sure people pitch shows then but it just kind of worked out for them. And also, though, you, y'all were one of the first. You're listening to The Juno Files, recorded and produced in Richmond, Virginia. Now back to the show. Uh, one of the first ghost adventures on the, on the air. I mean, that, then, then everybody started coming out of the woodwork, didn't they? Yeah, um, and just how... So, like, once Ghost Hunters found success, there were a bunch of shows that came out of the woodwork kind of trying to follow suit. Some of them were great, and some of them were not so great, you know, as expected. But um, I think that what what I think you can kind of take away right now from the, the paranormal genre is that the shows that work tend to be the shows that people knew each other before that weren't cast. You know, it's not a bunch of investigators that, you know, a production company went in and picked them and put them all together in a room and said, okay, go investigate. Every successful show has been people that knew each other before, like Ghost Hunters, Kindred Spirits, Ghost Adventures, um, Holzer Files that's on right now, uh, Destination Fear. Like there's all these shows that people 
had a rapport beforehand. I think the audience can tell that. Right, you just don't, they just don't have a bunch of marketing people put them together. Right, exactly. Um, you know, they've tried it a million times, and maybe there's a couple that, may, that maybe lasted a few seasons, but for the most part, you need people who trust each other and who know each other ahead of time. You uh, now, I'm originally from Kentucky, around the Louisville area, and you you actually held a an investigation at a place called Waverly Hills, and I believe it was a former mental institution. Yeah, it was. It's a tuberculosis hospital. Tuberculosis, okay. Um, or was a tuberculosis hospital, and yeah, I've investigated there many times, and. Um, has always had some really crazy experiences. It's it's probably one of the most haunted places in the United States, I would say. Has any place just out and out scared you? Uh, probably Waverly, uh, just because I had a really crazy experience there where I saw a full-bodied apparition of a man just appear right in front of me, uh, and he looked very angry, and he was wearing a hospital gown, and I don't see things like this often. Like this, I mean, I, I can probably count on one hand the times I've seen apparitions. And this one was the clearest one I'd ever seen. And he was not happy. And I knew that, you know, because I know I've had ghosts, I've had spirits scratch me and push me. And like, I knew this guy just wanted to just come at me. And so I was scared and I remember I had Adam lead me out I closed my eyes I put my hand over my eyes and I held Adam's hand and I said just take me out of here please I don't want to see him again (laughs) (laughs) um, you know and then I went back and finished the investigation but it was um you know it's 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 like seeing a live person in front of you who wants to hurt you it doesn't feel good you know I, people always say, this is what you're looking for. And I like, yeah, but, you know, nobody enjoys the feeling of having someone stare them down looking like they want to attack them. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you, um, you, you know, you talked a little bit about the tools that you use. And one of the things you mentioned in your book is that it's, um, you use a, an EVP, uh, electronic voice um, I forgot what the piece is. Yeah, we use a digital. It's a digital voice recorder. Okay. That we use to capture uh, EVP. EVP is electronic voice phenomenon. But we use a recorder and we just ask questions. And um, sometimes you play it back, and someone is answering you that you didn't hear when you were a- asking the questions to begin with. And so that's called electronic voice phenomena. Is that the most important tool you all use? I would say so, just because as amazing as it is to see apparitions or capture them on video, um, getting EVPs is an actual, you know, informative response that you can use. Uh, You know, they can give you names, they can give you dates, they can answer questions with full sentences. So, uh, yeah, if there's one thing I could bring, it would be a a digital voice recorder and and a flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) What I like about your book is that you also said, don't look at the movie Ghostbusters and expect that to be the way things work. Uh, there's no there's no electronic mm-hmm. uh, contraption that captures a ghost or anything like that. It's, it's a lot, I want to say, uh, well, it's a little bit more mundane than that, even though people think have the misconception, correct? Absolutely. And I mean, if you remember in Ghostbusters, this is one thing we did have in common, 
in Ghostbusters in the beginning, no one believed them. Nothing was happening. They were barely hanging on with their research at the college. <laughs> uh, when they started Ghostbusters, the business, no calls were coming in. That is the most accurate depiction <laughs> of, uh, of what we do. It's, it's a very, you know, when you're investigating, it's hours and hours of sitting in the dark or combing through, you know, research and location and, and not having anything happen. You know, the, the great thing about TV is you can see 43 minutes of our five-day investigation. <laughs> and <laughs> so you see all, like, the juicy bits, but uh, otherwise, you know, you're, <laughs> you have to sit, If you had to sit with us for the full five days, you might not think it was so exciting. <laughs> But then you get something. Then you get a little tidbit though that keeps you going. You know. Absolutely, it's that little adrenaline rush that 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 keeps you coming back for more. You're listening to the Juno Files, recorded and produced in Richmond, Virginia. Now back to the show. One thing I liked about your book is that you said that you know don't ghosts don't want to cross over. That's you know that sounds like that um that that's one sure way to annoy the ghosts. If they're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what I meant by that was just that, uh, that, that we're, we're not there. We, you know, we, we can barely figure out someone sitting across the table from us. How are we supposed to know what a ghost wants when we're not dead yet? We have no idea what the afterlife is. <laughs> you know, how does that make us sound when we tell a ghost, go to the light or move on? You know, like who are we to say that? that's, That's what I meant by that is like, I've always found that to be an interesting take because I used to do it. I used to absolutely subscribe to that idea, but then I kept investigating locations that supposedly the ghosts had been moved on by a psychic or something, but yet here they were sometimes angrier because they were trying to say something had been, and had been completely dismissed. (laughs) Let me ask you um, now. You have you have a child now. You. I do. I'm trying to keep her. She's actually in the other room talking very loudly on her <laughs> uh, tablet, and I'm trying to <laughs> stay away from her. So no, I think that's all right. That's all right. But yeah, but, but do you take her? <laughs> well, every time I have an interview, I go just go play your tablet. First. <laughs> <laughs> do you take her along on on your investigations? Any? on like some of our group uh like appearance type things like if we're doing um you know like a convention or something at a hotel or someplace fun and and sometimes i'll bring her when we're filming if we're filming someplace really cool um i'll bring her and a nanny so that she can kind of come explore and like come have dinner break with me and stuff but so she's been to some really spooky places i actually have an album I keep of her with in all these haunted places. I think she's up to like 42 haunted locations <laughs> <laughs> since she was born, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> with I don't want to give away anything on the upcoming season, but what should we look for? Oh gosh. Um, well, obviously they're all East Coast haunts, but um, I mean, honestly, we've just we have gotten. I would say season five is my favorite season so far so when it comes out people are going to be really thrilled we just we had to really think outside the box because we were you know 
limited as to what we could do and how far we could travel. And so we did a lot of really crazy experiments. Um, Chip can't, couldn't come out with us because he can't travel at all during the pandemic. And so oh. he hasn't even left his house except to like go to the doctor, I think, and go to the grocery store once. But um, so we used him in different ways, but he's still on the show. We found really interesting ways to use him remotely. And so it's, it's, it's going to be great. Oh, fantastic. Amy Bruni, the book is Life with the Afterlife, 13 Truths That I Learned About Ghosts. And your show is Kindred Spirits, which is going to be on the Travel Channel again in early 2021. Amy, thank you for being on the Juno Files. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Amy Bruni started working professionally as a paranormal investigator in 2007 when she began appearing on Ghost Hunters, one of the longest-running and highest-rated paranormal television shows. Now she's the co-star and executive producer of the Travel Channel's Kindred Spirits. In addition, Amy is the owner of Strange Escapes, a company offering paranormal excursions to some of America's most notoriously haunted destinations. You can find more information about the book Life with the Afterlife at hatchetbookgroup.com. Until next time, I'm Jim Juno, and this has been The Juno Files.